the Lord has said unto us, right? The, the text says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That, among some, among some other passages, is the mission of God. And so we took some time and reviewed that and kind of looked at where we were talking about the need to be diligent. That was last week. And, of course, we do need to be diligent. And I thank you for being diligent to be here this morning. I know it's the coldest day of the year. I appreciate you uh, hazarding your life to get out and, and uh, worship the Lord this morning. And I really appreciate Leah uh, obeying the Lord and believers' baptism. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, and as we were talking about uh, the mission last week, I also rolled out our goals uh, over the years, they've kind of morphed. Uh, when I first started the church, edify, exercise, and engage, which they still are those things, right, based out of Ephesians chapter 4. Those three goals are really what my job is as the pastor. And your job, actually, as a minister, is if you're mature, is to see that you're edifying the body of Christ, that you are engaging in ministry, the exercise of our faith, and then ultimately uh, engaging in the mission at every level which means Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, which we talked about last week. And, of course, uh, somewhere along the way in the last 20-some years, I realized that that doesn't really communicate well to somebody who's just walking in the door. Like, what does that mean? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And if you're a mature member of the body of Christ, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But if you just roll in the door, you know, what does that mean to you? Well, this very simply, you just need to know God. You need to know God. Uh, John 17, 3 says, And this is the life eternal that you might know thee, the only true uh, God and Jesus Christ who now has sent. God wants us to know him in a very real and tangible way. It starts with salvation. We just saw a testimony of Leah coming to faith in Christ, um, not just faith about Christ, but actually coming to know him and the power of his resurrection in a personal way and trusting him as Lord and Savior. And then from that we grow. Ephesians 4, 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So uh, we know God so that we can grow, right? God wants us to grow up in him and become more and more like him each day. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 22, that, that, we are, that he's purified our souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, right? And so he puts us in a local New Testament church so that we can have pure love among uh, the family of God, among the brethren. And he says, see that you love one another, with a pure heart fervently, in Second in First Peter 1 and verse 22. So we're to have fervent charity, right? Charity, the Bible says, First Corinthians 13, never fails. So we're to be a, a household of faith, a household of love for one another. And when we have that environment, it's like a greenhouse. When we love God's word and we love one another, we're going to grow. So we know God, we grow in God, and then ultimately we go, getting us back to that mission of going, therefore, and teaching all nations. And and that's actually, um, without getting back into what I said last week, that's really where we left off. So last week I brought you kind of to that point. It's like where we've been and then where we're at as we walk through those, those goals. And so uh, when it comes to faithfulness, right, I, I, had a, I wanted to take some time and just present to you this morning an example of faithfulness because we need examples and examples in our life. Our church is full of them, but there's not a greater example uh, of faithfulness than Pastor Randy Foster and his wife, Julie. And so Pastor Randy and I uh, have served in ministry together for decades. And uh, starting all the way back uh, when Randy uh, and I both got saved back in the day at Kansas City Baptist Temple, we served together. And uh, he served, actually, he served under me in the City Union Mission. I served under him in the uh, Gospel of the Stars ministry, in the astronomy ministry. So we co-labored in that way all the way back in the day. I had no idea that we'd come back together here 
And then uh, the day, uh, just a few days after my son Samuel was born, uh, Randy and Julie were in Lubbock, Texas on deputation. And they were getting ready to go to Zambia. And uh, they were able to spend the first few days of our son's life uh, with with us. I had no idea that someday they'd be here at HBF. And uh, what a divine uh, moment that was. And, uh, and, of course, Randy and Julie went on to serve successfully in Zambia. And then when uh, they returned home in 2008, uh, getting us back to the, the, the mission uh, that we're talking about and where we're going. Next week we're going to focus forward, but I just wanted to pause on that today. And just let you know that God brought Randy here because I couldn't really go much further. Um, I was as busy as I could get. <laughs> I had no more bandwidth, but I, in my heart, I knew we needed to take another step. And, man, Randy met with me, and he agreed, and we, we were in sync because God had called him to, to teach men and, and pastors and train pastors and missionaries. That's what he was doing in Zambia. And so guess what we needed to do here at HBF? The same exact thing. Uh, and I needed someone to help and, and, and come along and, and help me out because I was doing about as much as I could at the time. And, uh, and so God brought Randy Foster and Julie here to HBF, and we started Heartland Bible Institute, which is, uh, by the way, uh, we start Tuesday night, but you could probably still get in under the wire if you need to enroll. Uh, but at any rate, uh, God brought Pastor Randy, and he has served so faithfully here at HBF for decades uh, now. It's hard to believe it's been... Uh, so long, but it's a, it's been a it's been a flash. And it's been wonderful. And this morning, I, I think it's important that uh, as we look at the past and we consider the present, that I allow Randy to come up and he has some things uh, on his heart that he would like to share with us as a church. And I want to afford him the opportunity to do that this morning as we look about, look at uh, where we are and where we're going. So, Pastor Randy, if you would come this morning and just share with us the Word of God, I'd appreciate that. Give Randy some love as he comes to preach to us this morning. to be part of the sound team all right well thank you for such a um incredibly embarrassing uh introduction uh you set the bar really high brian has always done that uh, <clears throat> so uh, let me just start with prayer because i really need that right now before we get going. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this love of this church and for just how much you love each and every one of us individually and as a group, Lord, as the party of the body of Christ. And we just thank you for just how much you have done uh, in all of our lives. We thank you for what you do through this church and how you reach the world around the world 
from this location here. What a small and maybe in many minds an insignificant spot on the planet, but you have used this spot to touch lives around the world to accomplish your love, transmitting your love and your grace and your mercy to people who don't know you yet. And you use this body, and we're thankful for that. We trust you because you trust us. We love you and thank you. I pray, Father, that you give me the ability to speak and uh, not get too, uh, too too worked up or anything. Just let me share what's been on my heart for a long time about about this church and about individually about my life. I ask you to just bless this morning in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, so turn, if you've got your Bibles, if you don't, some of the verses will be up on the screen. But if you have a Bible, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Brian asked me to share basically what I'm going to share with you. He asked me to share with the ministry leadership team last Monday night, which I did. And um, and so he wants me to share it with you so you can hear from me what I told them. So, you, so instead of getting it by word of mouth, you're going to get it directly from this mouth. And so um, let me just start by reading the passage. And I apologize. I know Brian likes to tell you what page to go to in, in our pew Bible, but I just don't know what, because we're going to be all over the place. So I don't know what page to tell you. But that's why it's on the screen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses... Um, let me get my glasses on. Take this thing off. Second um, Timothy chapter 4, verse starting in verse 5. Paul writes, but watch, thou in th- all, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all of them that love is appearing. So it's really interesting. This is the second Sunday in in the year, and I was thinking about it just this morning, and I was like, this is the sweet spot. If you didn't know, this is the sweet spot for making your New Year's resolutions. Because usually you turn on New Year's Day and you think, I need to make a resolution. So you've only got about two weeks to figure out what you want to say to yourself. So this is that sweet spot. So um, two weeks ago, has, uh, or two weeks now, many people have followed that tradition and crafted a New Year's resolution. Every year, though, unfortunately, many people who make that resolution too often, they fall by the wayside. But I want to give you some guidance to make a really solid resolution for this year, for 2024. Uh, now, I don't think Paul's this passage that Paul wrote is, is him making a New Year's resolution. Excuse me just a minute. My little pet. Uh, so anyway, um, I don't think that Paul is making a New Year's resolution in this passage of Scripture, but it is obvious. And this is what's really so important about this. It's obvious, I think, that Paul cares about his life and his service and he strives at all times to maintain his submissive attitude about serving the Lord Jesus Christ, the living God. Who, and he spelled it out in this clearly in this passage what his, what his opinion is about himself, about himself serving. And so what I'd like to do is, is that we're getting ready to, to jump into this new year is to share as we start. And I want to offer some encouragement to develop, to take Paul's example and develop your own New Year's resolution, a Bible New Year's resolution, biblical New Year's resolution. 
So here are some, here are some uh, suggestions that I want you to start with. These are just things to think about. You don't need to write it down unless you want to. But does your resolution include what your ministry will look like at the end of 2024? Now, I mean, think about what you thought about your ministry at the turn of 2024. In January 2024, what did you think about your ministry? What did you want to get to? I'll give you a good example that might help put it in perspective. Um, the Bible ministry, the Word First Bible Publishing, um, Pastor Bob and I sat down for coffee one day, and, and he said, so where are you taking this ministry? What are you trying to get accomplished? And, and I know he was asking the quantity, and I'm like, well, you know, I'd kind of like to get 100,000 binds in a year's time. And he looked at me and he said, well, okay, I think we can do that. And I'm like, well, I hope so. So we prayed, and we've been praying for a long time, about 100,000 binds in a year. And so that was, um, I don't remember what year that was, but that was probably six years ago maybe. And this year, 2023, we did 102,000 binds. So we set a goal. We, set a, we, we, we made a resolution. We're going to do everything we can to get to that point of doing 100,000 uh, binds. Now, when I say a bind, I'm talking about anything that's a booklet, whether it was stapled or glued, New Testament, whole Bible, John and Roman, it didn't matter. Uh, and, but that's what we did this year. That was a goal. That was so, so we had a resolution how we wanted the ministry to finish. What do you want your ministry to look like when it finishes? Uh, the second thing I want to encourage you to think about is does your resolution include what finishing your ministry service to God would look like? Not just your, what you're serving, but what you would look like. What do you want, what do you want God to do in your life? What are you asking God to, what are you praying for? And the third thing, does your resolution include continually serving God all of your life? Because too many times Christians start off hot, start off bold, and start off intent only to wane and fade away and drift away. It's like, whatever happened to you fill in the blank on that name? So looking at Paul's life, would you would we see a time, if you go back and look at Paul's life, would we ever see a time when he was ready to call an end to his ministry? If Paul didn't actually write a resolution, a New Year's resolution in the Bible, I think that he probably would have had made some anyway. Like, okay, this year I'm going to go on this next mission trip. This year I'm going to go on this second mission trip. This year I'm going to start a church. This year I'm going to start five churches. This year I'm going to I'm going to do something. And I'm never going to stop, Paul said to himself. I'm not going to stop doing what I need to do. So let me just kind of back up for just a minute and look at Paul's life. Maybe you've never, I'm going to tell you, we teach the class Life of Paul in Bible Institute. Brian mentioned the Bible Institute. I would encourage you to take the book of Acts and Life of Paul because it's, they're powerful. You get a really good uh, synopsis of the life of Paul and his ministry and what it looks like. But anyway, that's some whole another thing to talk about. So Paul didn't start his life as an apostle or as a Pharisee. You ever think about Paul's life? He started as a young man, just like most of us, child, right? Uh, and he was preparing. I'm making a, a leap of faith here, but I, I think he was preparing to follow his father's business. Because that's what most Jewish boys do when they get, when they they start to get they start to grow up. Same thing happens a lot of times where where, uh, where men have a business and they want to get their sons involved in the business, and so they train them how to do the business. And I think Paul was like that. You know what business Paul was in? What business Paul's father was? In? Anybody know? The Bible doesn't say, but I think it's implied. I think he was a tent maker. 
You know why I think that? But it's because Paul said that he met these two people, Aquila and Priscilla, who was of the same trade. I can't remember exactly how it said it, but they were the same um, skill. They were making tents. Paul can make tents. And so, so we go all the way back there. And then it goes to Acts chapter 18, verse 3, if you want to reference that. Um, and so later on after that, um, when he was, got to be a, a young man, uh, in Acts chapter 22, verse 3, he was sent to be, un, be trained as a Pharisee under the, the, the teacher Gamaliel in Acts chapter 22. And under, so under that great teacher, Paul learned a lot about the Old Testament because we didn't have a New Testament back then. But they were, he studied the Old Testament, and he learned that. And he knew he, he became a very strong Pharisee. Uh, his training turned Paul, in fact, into a, what he actually uses the term zealous Pharisee. In Acts 22, verse 3, he says, I am a man, which am, born, a, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are today. This training that Paul got turned him into a zealous Pharisee to the point that he went, that he became a persecutor of the Christian faith. He was so zealous that he was out there trying to kill. He says in Acts, um, we're not, you don't need to look at this, but Acts 22, verse 4 and 5, he says that he was authorized to arrest, to imprison, and if he needed to, to execute Christians. That was who Paul is. And we look at Paul as somebody who is inspired, at least I do, but he, but there was a time when Paul wanted my death. That's an amazing thing. That's how much influence Paul has on all of our lives. He all, there was a time when he wanted you to die. But anyway, we'll go on. So in Acts 24, verses 4 and 5, he says that he was authorized to do all those things. And then in verse 6, and 6 to 8, he gives testimony of being saved when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You remember this, that, that passage in Acts chapter 9 where Paul... Uh, met Jesus, and he made a new, I think this is where he made his first resolution in his heart and his mind to serve Christ without delay. In fact, I'm, I, I wasn't going to turn there, but I am going to turn there. Acts chapter 9. Paul got saved in chapter Acts chapter 9, down in verse 6. Uh, and it says that he was three days with, uh, let's go back to verse 8. And Saul arose from the earth, and when he, his eyes were open, he saw no man, and they led him by the hand. I think I'm a little bit still off the, off, off the mark here. Verse 6, that's where I want to go, I'm sorry. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou, sh- thou must do. He's, so he made a commitment right then and there, right on the spot when he got saved. He said, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to do whatever the Lord says to me, I'm going to do it. No matter what it is, I'm going to do it. Don't we all have a responsibility to do that as well? When Jesus, when, the, when God says to us, do something, why do we say, well, I'm not ready yet? Uh, that's not really what I want to do. I didn't. I didn't sign up for that. But that's kind of what a lot of a lot of people who call, call themselves Christians. That's what they do. So anyway, uh, he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and he made a resolution in his heart and his mind to serve without delay. 
And so it was short. It was such a short delay that if you go to. So verse 9 is when he got saved. Look at verse 20. Same chapter, Act 9, 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. So from verse 6 he got saved to verse 20 he's preaching already. Because that's what he said. That's what I got to do. I just got to preach. And that's what we should all do. We tell, tell the world about Jesus Christ. So just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 11, we don't need to turn there, but in verse 26, we find that Paul is, is discipling the church at Antioch. The church that sent him out as a missionary is the church that he trained. He taught. He discipled. He discipled people. He got them ready to go. And now I would say that Paul's path, though, did change several times in, to keep in step with God's will. Paul's path in ministry uh, changed several times before he came to the end of his life, not because he chose to end his life or to end his service, but because God brought him service to a close. To summarize this, he started as a child learning the scriptures by memorizing them so he could quote them, so he could live them out. So he started out, he started off following his father, but quickly that gave way to religious training under Gamaliel, which led to his persecution of the church and then the, right after the execution of Stephen. So I would say this, not all paths are the right path, but God knows you're on a path. So he, and he'll drag you to where he wants you to be if you just pay attention to him. So he followed his father, but that quickly gave way to re, religious training. So, and, and he says in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 13 to 14. He said, who was before a blasphemer, this is him describing himself, who was before a blasphemer and persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So his salvation in chapter 9 changed his path from a persecutor to a preacher, and then his, he changed from a preacher to a proclaimer. So that was how Paul, I point that out because it's good to see. We all think, well, this is what I got to do. I remember when I first was got involved in ministry with Pastor Brian, as he mentioned, we were in the City Union Mission. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I could just serve here the rest of my life. I don't know. That, that would be okay. Um, and then I started, as he mentioned, the, uh, the astronomy ministry, which is an outreach evangelism ministry. Uh, we let people look through, our, look, look through our telescopes and look at the stars and say, do you know who they made those things? And we share the, share the gospel with them. I said, okay, well, this is my ministry. This is where I'm going to serve. And God says, well, you keep serving, but I got a plan. I'm going to send you to Africa. I said, well, God, Africa's not in my picture. And it wasn't. I'm telling you, when I, me and God argued a long time about this because I'm like, I don't really want to go to Africa. But God says, you're going to Africa. And so we went. We went to Africa. And then, then God says, it's time to come home. And I'm like, God, but you sent me to Africa. I noticed the runfuls. Don't change your plan, God. He changed my plan and brought me to Heartland. God changes our plans and moves us. And Don't let that be a, a fearful thing in your life. God moves people. He moves all of us. It's, it's like, I think we, you know, there's places where Paul would equate uh, serving in, in, in uh, serving in Christ as a, as a military kind of a theme. And I say, if you, if you, many of you have been in the military, you know, it's, you go where they tell you. And you don't get it.
beeping. Okay, I'm sorry. So you know, you don't you don't tell the military. I'm sorry, I'm not going there. I mean, you can try throw you in the brig, uh, but you know you can't tell. You can tell God, and God will say, okay. If you don't really want to serve, that's fine. I can find somebody else to do it. But don't you want to be the one that God uses? I do. I have always wanted to be the one that God used. I remember when I got saved, I'm like, I didn't want anything to do with church. When I found out that Julie was going to a Bible study at work, I'm like, I was furious. But God used even that to turn my life around, to get me saved, to get me trained, and to get me serving. And that's just how God should move in all of our lives. So I won't go into all of those details anyway, but let me just keep going here. So go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses um, 5 to 8 again that we just read. And Paul sums up his life in, the, in, the, in a letter of encouragement to his disciples, starting in verse 5 down through verse 8. And the, But the verse that I want everyone to concentrate on in that passage is not the whole passage, really, it's verse 7. So if you're looking at verse 7, he says, I, found, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And this is how Paul lived. He lived out his, his ministry and how he stayed on the path that God put him on. So he did, he did it by doing three things, he said. And these are the three things that should, you should include in your ministry resolution that you're going to write before the end of the month and pray and commit to God. Uh, and so he did three things. He fought a good fight. He finished the, his course. And he kept the faith. So verse 7 shows us that our heart should be what our heart should be when it comes to ministry, regardless of the path that God has set us on or any worldly resolution. I know, like I said, I didn't really want to go to Africa, but when I got there, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. It didn't take long once my feet hit the ground that I was totally content to be in Africa. That's where God wanted me to be. So the lesson for us today is that the Lord puts his obedient servants on a path that he needs you to be on. That we, but we have a role in the, to, to the part of this path if we're going to uh, serve God. It may change once or twice or maybe even more, but we just got to follow what God wants to do. So I want to talk about these three things that Paul, Paul did in verse 7. First thing he said is he, he fought a good fight. Interesting phrase. It sounds just like a rally point phrase. He fought the good fight. You know, and so let me just say, say this. What is, what is this fight that he's even talking about, and how can it be a good fight? So let me just say this. Paul, he, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, in the first letter he wrote, what this fight was all about. He said it in 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. This fight is typically described this way. Most people would say this about this fight. This is a fight for the souls of men and women, souls of the world. Um, it's a fight for souls, and there's some truth in that. There's, there, but there's, a, but this, this, what Paul talking about is a little bit different than that fight. There's two things to note out of this fight. Number one, the first, this fight is about your faith. Fight the fight, fight the faith, fight the good fight of your faith. And your effort to keep your faith by holding tight to what eternal life represents in, in and through this life. Basically what I'm saying here is, you know, too many Christians' faith falls, falls, falls apart. They, they, something happens, 
something, some, some situation comes into their life and challenges their faith. And they say, well, you know, maybe I don't really believe in God. Maybe I don't need to go to church. Maybe I don't need to be involved in children's ministry. Maybe I don't need to do anything. I mean, after all, I'm saved, so I'm fine. And so, so there's a there's a problem there. I think we need to fight the fight the good fight of faith to keep our faith, because it represents in our life how we how we view eternal life. And then the second fight, I think, is the second aspect of this fight. I think is even more important. This fight of faith is not just for your faith; it's also for the faith of the person sitting next to you. If your faith wanes, very real possibility that the person sitting next to you's faith will wane. If you're not fighting for your faith, then you're also not fighting for the faith of this church. And if you're not fighting for the faith of this church, you're not fighting for the faith of the lost that's out there in the world. The only reason that we do what we do to reach people is because we have faith in eternal life through like through Jesus Christ our Lord. But if we don't fight for that, how do we proclaim that? How do we tell the lost, you should have my faith? I want you to have my, I want to give you my faith. But if we don't tell them that, they're like, why do you go to church? Well, it's because it's a good thing to do on Sunday morning. No, fight for the, fight for faith. Look, if you're, if the fight for your faith is right and the fight for others is right, the victory will always be the souls of men. Do you see how that works? The, the fight is for the souls of men, but it really is fight for is fight for faith. Fight for faith. And then he says, he also said, fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, finish your course. Now, this course is what, what we would call call your call. Your course is your call. It's the path that God has you on uh, that you as a servant are conformed to God's plan for your life. 1 Timothy 1.12, again, mentioned that God put us in the ministry. In fact, turn over there. This is my life verse. I, was, I like to share this verse. 1 Timothy 1.12. I, I was on a, uh, a, a mission trip to, uh, to, the, to the country of Alaska, the state of Alaska. And um, we're getting, we were teaching the philosophy or the ministry of discipleship to this church. Where am I going? Oh, yeah. And um, my morning reading before we went to church, I was reading in First uh, Timothy, and I came across this verse, and it, it stunned me when I read it. And I hope it's a powerful verse for your life. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now think about that verse for just a minute. God, he's, Paul's saying that Christ Jesus, our Lord, count, he enabled me to be able to do the things that I'm doing. He gave me the strength. He gave me the ability. He gave me the, the desire. He gave me the ability. And not only that, but he counted me faithful. You see, your faith, you fight for your faith so that you can keep Christ pleased. I'm not the best way to say that, but that's kind of what Paul is saying. He counted me faithful. And, you know, don't we want Jesus Christ to, to consider you to be a faithful servant? Don't we want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the, into the uh, kingdom? Don't we want to hear him say that? Well, then you need to buckle down, get on your course, serve, and do what God wants you to do. 
because you won't hear that. You might be able to go into heaven, but you won't hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant, because you're not a well, good and faithful servant. See how that works? You've got to fight for your faith. And then you've got to stay on your course. Now, there's four characteristics. Let's see if I'm in the right place here. Um, I lost my notes. I'm on there right in front of me, but I lost my place. Oh, yeah, finish your course. Okay. Paul spoke twice about his course. Paul's his own course. This is his course. And if you look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see what he said there? That's, a, that's really kind of, each little phrase is very significant. I... I count my life dear, uh, I, neither to count my life n- n- dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and in the ministry and that I've received of the Lord Jesus. So every one of us have received a ministry if we just listen to what God is calling us to do or telling us to go do or pleading with us to go do. So Paul said he maintained his course with joy, not bitterness, not in sorrow, not in frustration. He kept his ministry fresh. By always testifying of the gospel of the grace of God. And he who was intentional that he would finish his course. He intended to get to the end of where God wanted him to be. And the second time that he used this phrase about a course is this passage that we're looking at in 2 Timothy 4, 7. So your course is the track or the path or whatever phrase you want to use that God has you on. Even though God may change it once in a while. That's the course that God has you on. 1 Corinthians 9:24 Paul compares his course to a race. You're probably familiar with that passage in there where he says he says running a race is he says uh, it, the race ends in victory to those who finish the race. It's kind of interesting in the way he says he didn't say you had to come in first place. He said you just had to finish the course. Finish what God has for your life. Do what God has for your life and be done with what God has for your life. Get that get that done. And he gives us four characteristics of what we, should, what we need to do to finish this course. First, he says in Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly in the day. So that would just say, be honest in your course. Be honest with yourself. This is what God has me doing. This is what God wants me to do. Do so worthy of your call. First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 10 and Ephesians 4, 1. Colossians 1, 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So be honest, do it so do it, be worthy of your call, be circumspect, that means pay attention to what's happening, and always be in the spirit. And then he gives us four or, or several uh, viewpoints on his attitude of running his race and how we should consider ours running our run to obtain, he said, in first Corinthians nine twenty four. He says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. In Philippians 2.16, do not run in vain, which is defined as being meaningless. The word vain means meaningless and aimless or empty. Paul says in 2 Timothy 6, or Philippians 2.16, holding fast, holding forth the word of life that it may rejoice in the day of Christ that it would that I had not run in vain, neither labored in vain. 
And then in Colossians chapter 5, verse 7, run in truth. Run in truth. Colossians 5, 7, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So he was saying, you did run, talking to the church at Galatia. They did run well. Then they stopped running. They started falling into false doctrine, a false gospel, false message. He said, who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? And then Hebrews chapter eleven verse or chapter twelve verse one, um, we should be run with run our race with patience. So to be clear, I want to make sure everybody understands. Paul says in First Timothy six twelve that this that this concept is for every person. There's nobody that's free from this. He says in First Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto hereunto thou art also called. Everybody's called. There's nobody exempt from being called. Maybe a baby. That's about it. Once they get older, then they're ready to, they should be ready to serve. So then the last thing he says, keep your faith. So what threatens your faith? What threatens your faith that you need to hang on to it? Why did Paul have to tell the church to keep their faith? Now, we've already talked about faith in 1 Timothy six twelve. And the fight is for our faith and the faith of others. But the reason that we must work hard to keep the faith is because too many lose their faith. They give up on truth. They sacrifice their, their course. They stop running the race. It's just it's sad when people allow themselves to be, I will say, taken out, but not so much taken out as stepping out. They stepped out of the race. They got off the course. They, you know, they, they pulled into a pit stop and they said, I kind of like it here. I think I'm just going to stay here. And, oh, God, well, that's okay. I don't need to do anything anymore. Somebody else will take care of that job. Peter warns us that turning away from truth overthrows the faith of others. Second Timothy 2.18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. False teaching, false Truth, false evidences, false service, false claims of your of your own your own call, your own faith, will cause people to 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 be overthrown in their own faith. So, Second Timothy four eight. I want to go back to that real quick because this is the motivation that Paul had for keeping his faith and fighting the good fight and all. In Second Timothy chapter two, chapter four, verse eight. Verse eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also unto but unto all them also that love his appearing. He knew his king. Paul knew his king. Do you know Christ? How well do you know Christ? Is he just a name? Is he just a figurehead? Is he your Lord, your Lord, your your Savior? He knew his king, the righteous judge, that will give him and to any that follows his example a crown at the end of their race because he is victorious. A full description of Paul's efforts is found. If you turn over to Philippians 3, we're getting close to being done. Philippians chapter 3, this is a 
a great passage. Paul had a lot going for him physically, humanly speaking. Uh, we're not going to take the time to read all of chapter 3, but it's starting in verse 1 down to probably about verse 9. He's, he's discuss, discussing all the things that he had physically that was considered by human beings to be valuable. But he says starting in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God should reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have attained, have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, he's talking to you. Brethren, be, for, be followers together of me and mark them which walk, which walk so as ye have, a, have us for an ensample. I want to pause right there for just a moment. That word ensample. I want to talk about that word ensample because what Paul is talking about, um, he, he's, he's, he's forgotten all the things that came before, all the stuff that he... He, he walked away from, I mean, I'm not going to take the time to read the verse, but let me just summarize. He walked away from his human heritage. He walked away from his confidence in his own flesh. He walked away from the laws that, hold, that held on to his life. He basically was turning away from the Old Testament law so that he could prepare a way for the New Testament. He turned away from his own zeal as a persecutor because he became one of the Christians that he was persecuting. What an, what an interesting thing. Instead, he pressed toward the, re, the reward of that crown that I mentioned in 2 in, in, uh, ch- ch- Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. So he's encouraging you to be of the same mind, he said. Follow Paul's example. Actually, he used the word ensample. Um, follow, follow Paul's ensample, but even more important, be an ensample. So what do I mean by the word ensample? What's, what's the Bible mean by the word ensample? Because there's a lot of times where the word ensample and example can be used interchangeably. And a lot of times we do that in, in, interchangeably because most dictionaries will say, well, ensample means example. But let me give you a better definition of the two words. An example is that which explains by way of demonstrating or illustrating. So every one of you are an example of a Christian. But what Paul wants you to be is ensample. Not an ex- he doesn't want you to be an example. He wants you to be an ensample. An ensample is this. An ensample is an example that is limited to be imitated or followed. It is more than just a sample of a set. It is how the set is defined. Okay, so what kind of Christian do you want to be? You, want, you all want to be a Christian, so you're a Christian. You're here, you're a Christian. But what kind of Christian do you want to be? Do you want to be the Christian that never does anything? Or do you want to be an example, an ensample? See, they can go back and forth. But Paul wants you to be an ensample. That's what he said in verse uh, 15. Let us therefore as many as like-minded be perfect, be be thus-minded, and anything... um, and in anything you be otherwise minded, give God shall give the, even this to you. Nevertheless, where's the word in the sample? Oh, verse 17. 
Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which are which walk so as ye have and have us for an example. A an example. A, a you want to be a Christian, but a, but a a Christian like Paul. You want to be a Christian, but a Christian like Christ. You don't want to be a Christian like the ones that don't come here because it's too cold. Now, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But it is cold. But, I mean, you know, most cars have heaters, I think. Some people's cars may, I know, uh, my sister-in-law's house doesn't have heat today, hadn't had heat for the last three days. So if they didn't come, I would understand. But seriously, if you, what kind of a Christian do you want to be? What, what, what example do you want to set for your neighbor? What example do you want to, to present for your family? What example do you want to present for the rest of this church? What kind of an example? Okay, so let me wrap this all up with this, this little, one little statement. The point that I'm trying to make here is, is I want you to get out of all of this message is that you should seek out the race or the course that God wants you to be on and do your best to be get to the point where you'll hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. That should be your motivation, desire to that. Okay, so without all I said, I, I got one more thing I want to say. It's really not any more scripture anymore, but I, do, I want to I want to share some things, changes that I am facing because, as I said, God changes changes our path, and He's changing mine. He's changing mine and Julie's path. Uh, he He started talking to me about this in in, in June of twenty three, that I that I need to make some changes. So most of you know that I that in September. September 30th, 2019, so that was four years and a quarter of a year ago, approximately, I was diagnosed with a brain cancer tumor so serious that we didn't think that I might make a year, maybe two, and then that'd be, because it's pretty serious, cancer. But for some reason, praise the Lord, God has kept me around. Now, uh, God has granted me a longer life than I expected, kind of like he did with Hezekiah. When Hezekiah was sick and he prayed and God gave him 15 years. Now, I don't know if God would give me 15 years, but that would be great if he did. But that doesn't change the fact that God is changing my path and changing my course right now. Thank you. So I never wanted this diagnosis to be any type of defining moment in my life. I just wanted to ignore it, basically. So for the last four years, I have pressed on as though I was unaffected. I have pressed on in my service to the church. I have pressed on to the service to, to this body. I have pressed on to the service to my family and especially to God himself. Just as Paul said in First Philippians 3.14, which we read, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I've been trying to do is press hard forward. But the truth is I have been affected. And the toll has been great on my body and on my mind and pretty much everything that I've been involved with, including in, in the church and in my family. The, the, the effort some days for me just to get through the day is minimal, and I'm fine. You ask me, how you doing? I'm not. It's a good day. I'm hanging out, and I'm just fine. And some days it's like, I don't think I can walk across the room. 
And I said, then, so there's some days when it's grueling and it's embarrassing that I am losing my stamina and clarity of thought and speech that I once had. I mean, you, you've seen it today. You see me stammer, stammer over the, my, my text, my, my thoughts are kind of this way and that. It's frustrating to me. Hard to get through. But the truth is, I have been affected. But the effort is, is minimal some days, some days not. But I have not made any resolutions for 2024. But I do see God is changing things for me and Julie as he puts us on this new course. So many of you know that I, I, I wear a lot of hats here at this church. I, I'm involved in a lot of different things. I cover a lot of different things, you know, some big, some small. Ever since we came here in 2008, uh, Brian has just constantly put me to work over and over again. He said, well, you can take that. You can take that. Yes, boss. That's okay. It's all good, though. Serving God. I recall when we came here to HBF and how I was a bit intimidated as to what my role would be and where be, and just being here would take us at all, what, what that would mean. But we persevered and we developed friendships and partnerships in ministry. And we witnessed and been a part of many here in, this, in their own growth. We've seen people in this church grow up and go out. And it's been encouraging just to me just to see it happen. I love, I love that that's happened. But let me just say this. I, be, I will be stepping out of all of those leadership roles, all of my ministries, and all areas of responsibility pretty much effective this month. Stepping down. I think we use the term retirement. But uh, I still will be here. Um, we're not leaving HBF or another church. We may visit other churches occasionally, but only because they have friends there and we get a chance to go worship with them. Um, but for the next several months, I'll be on staff as, with the, on the pastor staff as well. I'll be coordinating with the pastors and the leaders and to transfer my responsibilities to others who God is calling to take over. I also want to invest time in what I had that I have left in my family and in particular my grandchildren. So um, so that's what's happened. That's the God is God has diverted my course. He brought us here in 2008 and in 2014, 2024. I'm not leaving here, but I am changing what I do here. And it's hard. I will I just tell you right now, even the first few things that we've already made transition on very hard because this is who I am. This is what I did. No, I'm not going to be doing it anymore. If you do have any questions, Julie and I will be in the lobby after service. I'm going to give Pastor Brian the last few minutes. I took all of his time, I think. But no, um, I hope that I have lived my life like Paul. That's, that has been my desire since I first got saved. And when I started understanding who Paul was and what Paul did and the things that he said, the inspirational uh, impact of the words of Paul in my life. I mean, there's time. I remember when like, I'm, li- I'm, I'm just sitting here in the pews, listening, just like just listening to the messages. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be like that person. I want to do what that person is doing. And that was the motivation. I mean, I remember talking to Brian about the city union mission. I, I preached this Thursday lunchtime service. And I called Brian. Brian, I don't know what to say. And we would talk it over, and Brian would say, Brian, Brian would just be Brian. 
And he would counsel until I was like, I know what I'm going to say. And God gave me the word and I'd go preach it. And then Brian would be in the back making sure that I got through it. So I want to I want to help the church continue to grow. But I do want to invest my 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 time that I have left, whatever that is. Uh, I don't think I'm going anytime soon, but I don't know. Because quite frankly, I just don't know. And I want to protect the church. If I don't turn over now and something happens to me in a week, then all of that will be everybody somebody will be scrounging how did he do that what did he do how did what you know so so i'm not making i'm not trying to puff myself up when i say that it's just i did a lot of things that did that somebody else is going to have to do now and um so anyway i hope that i've lived my life like paul so that i can look at my life and declare two things that i have that i can accomplish or have accomplished he said in verse four Second Timothy four seven, which we're looking at, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, and that by by that I can I that I have done so that I've accomplished four seven by what he said in Philippians two sixteen, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, but my life has been one that would please God, and and it has pleased this church. So thank you, Brian. It may be the coldest day of the year, but I tell you what, that's a, one of the most important sermons that we're going to hear this year at HBF. And uh, I want you guys, I'm thankful that you're here to see and hear. And uh, one of the things that's important to point out <clears throat> for everybody is, first of all, this was planned. Obviously, you can tell, and we've known about this for some time. We've been praying and talking about it. But number two, uh, Randy is transitioning. So uh, I understand. I'm like him. I wouldn't want to have the word retirement because he has no intention of, quit, of stopping serving the Lord. What this is is a seasonal change. And in life, if, the older we get, the more we realize there are seasons in life, Right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us in everything there is a, a season and, and a time and every purpose under heaven, right? And, and Randy just did a great job of exhorting us to be about God's mission and, and God's purpose and fight the good fight of faith, to keep the course, to, to keep the faith. And, uh, and that's what we need to do. We need to follow Randy's example as he transitions through this season. Uh, he will be available here. He's going to be at HBF, and he's a, still a pastor. He's, we'll give him the pastor emeritus title, which means... If he's busy, leave him alone <laughs> and, uh, and let him visit with his grandchildren and, and spend time doing what he needs to do um, as we transition some of the responsibilities. Uh, and when he's under, understating the, the importance of uh, what he is to HBF. I mean, he, is the, he carries the ball on a lot of things. Um, and so just I haven't actually made public announcements on some of the transitions because it hasn't been the right time. Uh, but Jeremy Bonison is taking the lead of HBI in his stead as the uh, as the uh, dean of HBI. I'm still the president, of course. And then um, uh, the real life, for those that don't know, last week Randy uh, gave this uh, similar presentation to real life. And real life will be in transition uh, for the next, uh, you know, several weeks or even a couple months <clears throat> as we determine how that will be led. Right now I'm the interim leader of the real life class, so... I was in there this morning doing that, and um, uh, there's many other ministries, um, you know, from the circuit. To, I could just go down a long list that we're transitioning over, 
and a lot of administrative responsibilities. So we'll be working on that. And I'd ask that you pray for the church, not just be praying for Randy and Julie as they go forward. Just pray for the church as we continue to grow. And uh, this morning they had to transition. They transitioned me out. They transitioned me out because of Randy's transition. I'm getting transitioned. And so as you guys know, I have a heart for the children's ministry. So I've tried to live an example uh, no matter what I've been doing, I try to get in the children's ministry and teach because I really want that ministry to be full of workers uh, for the kids' sake, for your sake, and for Jesus' sake. Because if we aren't willing to feed lambs, we have no business talking about feeding sheep. And so I've been trying to set the example. But these changes have required that I step out for a season at least. And uh, and so two people stepped in to replace me. And, uh, and you know, I was, I was encouraged. Chris was just briefing me this morning before the baptisms in the hallway. He says, hey... I got you covered. I got two young men, and they're going to cover that spot. And I know there's some more young men that could be covering that spot or some young ladies. And what we need to do here is continue to make disciples that make disciples. And so when Randy steps out, I pray that two more replace him. When I step out, I pray that three or four more replace me. And uh, and I pray that God would continue to multiply the ministry, which is part of the vision update that we're talking about. Everything that we've been talking about last week and what we'll be talking about next week, which is going to be faithfulness, requires that we walk by faith, not by sight. And you see four or five, actually, mission trips up here. I need folks that were saying, you know what, I'm willing to step up and take that trip. I need some of my leaders in this church to step up and lead a trip. Uh, because uh, last year I was leading two or three whatever trips, uh, two trips, and I took three trips. And some of that was, uh, uh, you know, I, needed, I need leaders because I can't do all those leadership responsibilities. And yet we still must reach the world for Christ. And so everyone that needs to be a hands-on deck, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you'll be hearing me next week and uh, talking about where we're going forward. But for today, I just want to back up and talk about these seasons. And this is the thing about seasons. In Galatians chapter 6, the Bible talks about, you know, reaping and sowing. And and that's a principle we all get here at Cass County and in the Midwest, and and we understand that. And uh, there's there's seasons in life. And uh, Randy and Julie are in a season. He's been nothing but faithful to the Lord, to the Lord's call in his life. He has kept the faith, and he will. Uh, the thing I'm excited about for Randy is, is, is someday, and it's, I hope it's a long time out if the Lord tarries. You know, Randy, hopefully we'll have a lot, you'll have a lot more time to invest with Liam and your family. And, and even this week, be praying for him as he travels to comfort his family that are bereaved up in Delaware. Very difficult situation there for his mother and and for the family, uh, under the circumstances, they're going into three three deaths with just right in a row. Um, and so God's got a mission for Randy. He's not off mission at all. He's on mission. He's still a missionary. So he and Julie are going to be traveling and tending to that business. And I pray that by making this transition, it will relieve him of some of the burden so he can focus on that mission and that season of his life. But not just to Randy, but all of us, when it comes to this, these transitions, it's important that we are faithful uh, in the times that we have, the seasons that we have. And and uh, Randy and I, Randy and I, are nostalgic in, in looking back on where we've been, and and now we're where we're at, and we and we're, where we're going. We know one thing: we're going to keep the faith, right? We're going to stay on course, and we're not going to deviate. We're not going to walk away from God. Uh, and to, if He comes today and catches us away, or we live another twenty years, is up to the Lord. But at the end of the day, this is what we do know: is in Galatians chapter six and verse nine, the Bible says, "Let us not be weary in well doing." It doesn't mean our bodies don't get tired. It doesn't mean we don't get you know, emotionally tired and physically tired. But let's not be weary in doing well. Because in due season, the Bible says, um, we shall reap if we faint not. And I just want you to see in Randy an example of a man who refuses to faint. And it doesn't mean he physically won't faint. I mean, the man gives every drop of his life uh, for the Lord and for this church. And, 
and uh, and he's an example to believers in word and deed. And so, uh, if you need an example of what it takes to to uh, you know serve the Lord, Randy Foster and Julie are that. And Randy, I look forward to the day when we get to heaven. We look back on all this and all the seasons of life and all the things that go on, and we're going to look back and go, "Wow, Lord, you're awesome." And uh, and I know because you won't faint, uh, and and you're going to be faithful through all your seasons. Uh, that there's going to be a lot of fruit and fruit that remains. And so I'm looking forward to what God has in store for Randy and Julie. How about you guys? Amen. Randy, let's just love them on them. We love you, and uh, I, would need you to t- I need you guys to know this. After we pray and we're closed, they're going to be in the foyer. Uh, give them your, your love and greetings. This isn't the end. We will have a celebration for Randy and Julie on February. Um, uh, hang on. What is it? 18th. Thank you. I was going to say 21. February 18th. Uh, I got too many things running through my brain on dates. February 18th, uh, we will be right here. It'll be a Sunday evening service. We'll have a dinner, and we're going to celebrate Randy and Julie's ministry together and what that means to us here at HBF. We're going to have a grand time. So put that on your calendar. Uh, and again, like he said, he's not going anywhere. He's still going to be here. But we want to we want to really give him every opportunity to know how much we love him, he and Julie, uh, because they've meant the world to us. And I also want to give you an opportunity uh, to continue to tell them that personally. So let's go ahead and uh, stand together. I'm not going to do an altar call this morning like I normally would, but let's stand in a word of prayer. If, if for some reason you are here this morning, um, I cannot close without just saying this. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he loves us. He died on the cross for us, and he is alive right now. And what we're doing here at HBF is, is trusting God to accomplish his mission uh, in this world through us. God has a plan for this universe. He has a plan for this earth. And he has a plan for our life. And he wants to marry our lives uh, to his mission through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. And he did that because, well, God loved the world and he gave the perfect sacrifice. That was his son. And he died on the cross on, on, on uh, the cross for our sins in our place. And, uh, and he rose again the third day. And he's alive right now. And he's available to all who will call upon his name. And so if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. We'd be happy to help you in understanding how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the Bible. The Bible itself will quicken you and bring you to life when you call upon his name and trust what it says about your sin, about Jesus Christ the Savior, and how he came to save you as you place your faith in his finished work. So he will do that, and it's amazing when you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you haven't done that... Uh, please seek me out or someone here that you know knows the Lord Jesus and, and, and have them show you in the Bible how you can be saved. As a matter of fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, right now as we conclude, maybe right now that's where you are at and you just need to make that decision. Is there anybody, just real quick, that would say, Brian, I want to be born again. I need to know what that really means biblically and I want to look in the Bible and see what that means. I'll come to you right now. Anybody at all? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time just to just to visit and meditate upon what randy has charged us with to be faithful lord to to run the race to finish our course to keep the faith oh heavenly father i pray that uh lord we would do that thank you for the moments uh that you have given us with randy and julie they're precious and they'll be even more precious in the days ahead as we recognize and realize the great influence and impact that randy and julie have had upon your church lord thank you for bringing these uh, choice vessels to this church to help us grow and build and and uh, and help us to multiply mightily by your grace. Lord, I pray, God, right now, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that's not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that today they would be moved to, to find out what the Bible says about that, that they would trust Christ as Savior. Thank you for Leah just making that uh, public today of the decision she made a few weeks ago to trust you as Lord and Savior. 
Thank you for those. I was looking around in the, in the audience today and seeing others that have recently made that decision and followed you in believers' baptism. What I do pray is these are on the course. We know there's a fight for faith, or we know it's a struggle. And I pray, God, grace upon grace upon your saints, upon your Christians, Lord, that you would just continue to fill them with the Word of God, encourage them in the Spirit of God, and give them power, love, and a sound mind so that they can be successful in this uh, dark and dying world. Help us to be lights that shine brightly to in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Thank you for bringing us here this morning to encourage us in your word, to, to witness uh, this transition that Randy Foster is making and to, to walk with him and love him through all of these transitions. We're thankful, Lord, for giving him a lease on life and, in essence, cheating death. Lord, you, like Hezekiah is a great analogy, he has lived longer than his prognosis. And, Lord, that is because you have left him here to help us, and we need him, and we thank you for him. We pray, God, a blessing upon Randy and Julie in this season of their life. We thank you and we praise you for Randy and we thank you for Julie. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and we just thank you for your faithfulness and love for us. We ask your blessing on this service and all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to give back to the Lord here in just a second. And if you uh, are new to Heartland or you haven't been here before, they're in that white guest bag as a guest card. If you could fill that out and drop that in the offering plate as it goes by, that would be a great gift. Uh, if you have one of those bulletins and you tear that off, that would also be adequate and be great and uh, if you're a member of hbf thank you for just giving faithfully to the lord by faith and uh, you've been so gracious and good and thank you for your obedience and giving back to god may god richly bless you while the uh, offering is going by uh, yeah we go ahead and pass the plate and then i'll have a word of prayer at the end um, we've got just a couple announcements uh if you didn't get a bulletin, uh, feel free to get one in the lobby. There's a few inserts, one about the year-end giving, about uh, our sister Leah Miller. Thank you. You brought some guests with you, and uh, Belinda, it's good to have uh, your family with us. I uh, wanted to announce that Wednesday night, Pastor Brian started a, a new series about the book of Revelation. Uh, it's called uh, What We Need to Know Before We Go. So you catch that Wednesday night at 6.30 is our service. Uh, you can read some of these other announcements. But this Saturday is also the men's breakfast. And so Saturday at 8.30, if you're a man and you uh, want to come and uh, eat breakfast with other men, there's always a testimony. Uh, Brother uh, Brady Barnes is leading that up. And then uh, the ladies' conference. Annually, our ladies uh, have a uh, conference this year. Uh, Becky Blake and Mindy Clark will be the speakers. I know uh, Miss Amy is expecting close to 75 or 80 people. And uh, what they serve at lunchtime is soup. So you can imagine there's a lot of soup needed. And uh, Amy says there's a sign-up sheet in the uh, foyer at the connection counter. If you're a lady and you'd like to bring some soup to help uh, feed the ladies, uh, she'd like for you to sign up so that they can kind of know how much is coming. There's usually lots of crock pots. And so uh, anyway, uh, that's uh, January 27th, and it's from 9 in the morning till about 4 in the afternoon is uh, the time. And I think that uh, that's uh, all that I was going to announce. Uh, so we're going to stand at this time for a, a word of prayers. We're dismissed. Thank you for being here, and uh, we'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Uh, let's stand. Heavenly Father. We uh, do stand before you uh, as needy people. We're uh, just, we've seen uh, Leah kind of begin her uh, walk with you. And we uh, see Aunt, uh, 
Pastor Randy's kind of closing uh, the book on some of his ministry endeavors. It's just a sobering time to be here and to uh, just uh, be friends with Randy and Julie all these years. And so, Lord, uh, have you got a hand upon them? Have you got a hand upon this church? And uh, do pray for others to help uh, stand in the gap and uh, serve you in these last days. We do ask you to dismiss us with your blessing. Help us to get home safely. And, uh, Lord, just um, we love you and uh, we pray you and pray to you and praise you and look forward to you come getting us one of these days. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed. in the city might be more than pretty pretty that freaky shine might be more than meets the eye anytime you see the sparkle in the dark you might look deeper <laughs> deeper it might be more than simply fear yo, yo, that smile might be joy that's connected to the spirit the spirit might be contagious if you dare you deck a mirror i remember can't forget peace that you can't second guess sparkle as the light reflects we write and pay it forward checks Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people to illuminate the show. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people making music for the people. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people to illuminate the show. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people. Jesus, music for the people. Light shine bright. Light shine bright.
more questions. Toby. Hey, Toby. Yep, the young lady in the back with the I Heart Jamie Gray shirt on. Hey, question. Um, hello, hello. Good morning. And I'm just wondering, when can we expect you and Michael and Evan and DC Talk get back together? Winner does do home. That question's already been asked enough tonight. Directed to Toby, please. Toby, over here, man. Toby. Last question. You've been running at this pace for a while. How much more you got in you, my man? There are moments that I doubt you. Blind to the beauty that surrounds me, I try to push away the need that I need and prove. And this struggle that I have, it ain't nothing new. But the evidence is piling up. Yup, you changed my heart, isn't that enough? You give me life that I can't take credit for. Call me to walk through an open door. Undeniable, you are, you are, you are. Unmistakable, you are, you are. You're the bright and morning star. Still you speak to my heart Undeniable You are, you are Your work doesn't stop with me Your signature's on everything we see From the hills of the grill, Jamaica To the kid that the doctor said would never make it Which is hard to believe that you don't exist Or that you orchestrated all of this Living in a world that is so confusing you're the argument I'm never losing, cause I believe. that my daddy sang I know I was made to glorify your name and from the prayers that my mama prayed I know I was made to glorify your name from the hymns that my daddy sang I know I was made to glorify your name and from the prayers that my mama prayed I know I was made to glorify your name said from the hymns that my daddy sang I know I was made to glorify your name and from the prayers that my mama prayed, I know I was made to glorify your name. So undeniable, you are, you are, you are, unmistakable, you are, you are, you are, you're the brighter.
or that you orchestrated all of this living in a world that is so confusing you're the passion that i'm never losing
Give it up. 